Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Well, I just want to say I greet you this morning. I, I thank the Lord for you and what God is doing here. If you are young and you're a part of this church, or if you're young and you've seen so many counterfeit uh, people who are not living anything, um, God's put you in a great environment if you're here. Uh, talk about what's going on in this church and with uh, Pastor Joaquin and his entire family everywhere that I go. I, it's just because it's real, you know. Certainly, I'm on the board of mega churches, and it's not that they're not doing anything. It's just that I know that what God is doing isn't necessarily numerically or geographically big. As a matter of fact, you can see that much of the great work that God has done in history is done with the remnant. And... Um, and so I see this church as huge, and you as important, and I call it out. I want to thank you, though, for being open with me to receive all this screaming and fussing <laughs> that I do when I come here, and it lets me know that I have somebody with me who's standing for the next world. This world is a temporary world. If you allow me today... I'd, ask, I'd like for you to turn to Psalms 102, and uh, actually 104, and I, and I want to expand maybe your perspective of Almighty God, and that's saying a lot, really. So, and maybe not a, a lot of time, I will show you some things and say some things to you that... I felt like the Lord awakened me this morning that I, I, couldn't, uh, I couldn't go back to sleep. And like I do so often, I um, couldn't find a private place in a hotel to go to. So I got in my truck and went into a parking lot somewhere just to see is it going to stick with me? Now, there are times that God has spoken to me and expanded his understanding of my understanding of him, but it didn't leave me. I just wasn't as conscious of it. But so today, if you will, if I can set this, the premise, God is huge. I'm going to tell you something, man. I mean, if I, I'm just telling you, this understanding that seemingly God has given me about himself enlarges my perspective of God and makes a lot of things easy for me to believe. Because as I see him for who he is and then find out what he wants out of me, out of life, out of his creation, then it's obvious this is definitely going to happen. This is not just by chance here. We're not living 
on the basis of circular reasoning. I mean, it's just, there's a starting place. If you can't tell that creation itself is intelligence, that somebody decided this, if you think this, everything, you can look at anything in any area, which I'll just go into some areas with you like that. And if you can't tell that the almighty God, which he reveals himself in our consciousness, he says, the Gentiles without God, if they do the things contained within the law, they are a law within themselves. It says that in uh, Romans 2. Their conscience, the meanwhile, accusing or excusing. There's something within you that says there is a God. Yes. Not to understand it, not to just see that. It, there is a blindness. You have to actually resist it. See? And when the Bible says God, the God, he says he's God, the judge of all, he can fairly judge everybody from time to the now, every culture. He can judge them because he's the judge. He knows what's in every person. He knows their boundaries. He knows what they understand, what they don't understand. He knows their rebellion. He knows their humility. There's nothing he doesn't know about all of his creation at the exact same time. He's almighty God. And in actual fact, you, you cannot define him in his truest sense by any human language. Because he's the pre-existing one. In the beginning, God. So before God said anything, he already existed. Pre-existing one. Meaning before he created mankind, before he ever said, let there be light, before he said at all, he already existed. So whatever words your language takes up, whether it's Spanish or Italian, French, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, it doesn't matter. There are not enough words to describe who God is in his essence. Because those words came after creation, but he's the uncreated. So creation can't comprehend uncreation. And then we're fallen. And in actuality, in that fallen state that Adam did there in the, in the garden, the darkness that came over mankind, now God has to negotiate with man and then start making covenants with him. A covenant? Why? Because we did not know who God was intuitively by the creative order. Now God has to explain himself. But even in the explanation... There's still humanity mixed in with deity. At the same time that God's revealing himself to man, there is a part of God that you don't have a clue about because words can't define him. That's why you get over in the New Testament and he says, it's the spirit that quickeneth. What is that? Quickeneth? Well, it actually means give life. What is this giving life stuff? It's where you know the essence without terminology. 
Salvation is like that. You can define repentance, metanoim, metamelim, two Greek words, an inner change of mind, an inner change of mind that results in an outward turning around. Repent. John the Baptist talked about it. At the same time, the Lord, then you say you're born from above. You're born again. But explain it. See? You're, you're, all of us are born twice. We're humanly born and then being born again. We're born spiritually at the same time. Explain it. We're way more comprehensive than terminology. The love I have for my wife. If you go to 1 John 4, he who serves born of God, the love of God dwells in him. I got to love for her. That love was in me by God for her. But explain it. I used to point her to the scriptures and say, you know, I love you because what the Bible says. She didn't quite get goosebumps with that explanation of it. She, she wanted some better terminology. She wanted emotion in there with that. She didn't want the letter. But same way about your salvation. You can quote, you can memorize scripture. He says, the, the Bible says, the letter kills. The, the letter It'll give you mental understanding, but God creates the mind. He, he existed before the mind. You, you got to know God in his pre-existing reality because that's the world you're going to. Now, I'm already way out there right, with you, right? But that's the premise of everything I'm explaining to you because here it is. Now, this is New Testament. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory. That's That's Romans. He wrote that to the Christians in Rome. So what do you mean falling short of the glory? Meaning you're saved from hell, but there are levels to get to. Glory, doxa, doxology. See, the things which are manifest. Meaning I'm saved, but there's a whole lot of God that's not being manifested in my life. I'm praying every day. I'm, I'm in the word every day. But there's still, how much do I know about God? See, that's not even... The issue, how much do I know about God? See, that's not enough to know about God. I have to know God. So then how much do you know God? Every person has to ask that question. And then, for example, I'm getting ready to read to you Psalms 104, actually, is what it is. I'm just going to read it in a New Living Translation. But I just want you to see some things about the capability of God. Who this guy is? Who? I mean, I'm almost embarrassed by saying it like that. Finally, Psalms, David gets it. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Well, or the son of man that thou visiteth him? What, what, what is man? I mean, see. And then it says he's made him a little lower than, than God's, actually angels. He's, see. But what is God? I mean, what, what is he? Who is he? See. He has to reveal himself. You, you cannot in any human way know God without God revealing himself and that becoming your reality. See, you and I got to move from a mental state of God into an eternal understanding of him by the Spirit. You think he sent the Holy Spirit down here 
to reveal to us, and he says in John 16, you can read it, John 16, but 14, 15, 16, but you can start reading it, and you, you, you don't need actually the Holy Spirit to help you with natural achievement. You actually need intelligence for that. You can go to school, you see. Like one of the things I acknowledge about um, Pastor Joaquin is that, you know, he, he's not ghetto, see. See, he's not ghetto. See, I'm, I'm ghetto and gutter by background. I'm broke. I'm like those Africans that come over from the poverty, you know, and that the mentality of people all around me is like, like negative, see. And I've told you the story about my mama and drinking and smoking, getting high. My dad didn't meet him until I was 35, fighting every day going to school, you know, carrying knife. That's what it said. But he, his dad is a medical doctor, the man that just gave me, medical doctor. Yes, uh, then Joaquim is an attorney, and his brother is a doctor, and his other brother is a dentist, right? All this. That, this look, he's chosen, like the disciples, a life of surrender. He could have chose a life of rich because all of that education in America equals money. Now, now my life didn't equal money. My life equaled broke. I mean, just broke, just plain broke and a pitiful mentality. He's chosen the low road, not because he has to, but because he sees that in the economy of God, up is down. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. All two of you get it. Accept the grain of corn, go down into the ground and die. Most people don't see the lowness in our present president choosing to be president. We wouldn't realize that that was a step down for him. Let me tell you something. You can talk all you want about this particular person, and you don't see God in Psalm 75 gives you the scripture for him. Promotion comes not from the east or the west nor the south. I'm the judge. I set one up. God says this. I take another down. So whether you like it or not, God made him the president. He went through a process, but God made him the president. That's the Bible. I just, just quoted to you the Bible. But then they say, he's stupid, he doesn't know nothing, he doesn't have it together, he doesn't know how to carry himself. You're exactly right, he doesn't qualify. But you, what you don't know is God doesn't call the qualified. In reality, surrender is a better value than being qualified. Now watch. See, millions could happen by chance. You could, you could inherit millions. But you know, this year it said that since our former president, we had 200 and some billionaires, but in the last, say, eight years, we now are up to over 500 billionaires. But let me tell you something about billions. Billions aren't stupid. Okay, you can call the president stupid all you want, but billion isn't stupid. And if it is stupid, you go ahead and do it then get a whole lot of it. Not stupid. But let me go further. I don't have to promote this person. What you got to see is, look, if you criticize, let's say all the people on his side in that Republican side, conservative side, 
if they say there were 16 of them trying to get the Republican nomination. You say, he's stupid, he's unqualified, he doesn't have the, the comportment to be able to be this, all this. Well, guess what? All that person you say is unqualified, stupid, don't have it together, don't know nothing. Well, that guy beats you. <laughs> so if he's stupid, then what must you be? <laughs> you, 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 got, you got to look at it. You can't deny it. You got beat by a stupid, unqualified billionaire. This is some incredible stuff. You don't realize you're saying something about yourself. And then all these people that are, that are criticizing him, well, why don't you run then? No, you got it together. You're qualified from that position you're in down low to, to kick him to the curb. Then why don't you become the president? You're smart enough to judge him with your low information self. You don't know nothing about what's going on in the real insides. But you listen to the news and you judge somebody by the news. You don't judge anybody by revelation. You judge them by information. You don't have God's view of this person. That's what you got to look at. Because if you're of God, you need God's perspective. A good question for you is, God, why did you allow him to become the president? See? And God figures, I don't need to even tell you because you wouldn't do anything with the information anyway. Because I don't have to answer you. Jeremiah 18 says, Should the, th should the one formed say to the one that formed him, Why have thou made me thus? If God gave you the information, you couldn't understand it unless he gave you the understanding of it. So you've got to be Godward. Your life is about God. It ain't about this, all the stuff going on around you. Your life is about, number one, image. You're called to be like God. Now, that's an amazing statement. It should be almost embarrassing to you when I finish reading who God is. The idea that you and I could be like God is an amazement. And then secondly, it's about destiny. Why should God have made you? And if you don't find out what the reason he made you is, why should he let you live another moment? Because you couldn't come up with a good reason enough that almighty God should let you live if it's not for his reason. Because whatever your reasons are, it's going to be earthly. It's not going to be heavenly. It's going to be earthly. And more than likely, it's going to be about you. But if God made you, your life isn't about you. Your, your life is about God. So there is exceptionality in you. Only one of you. Why would you live the whole life for some kind of natural, natural, natural achievement. Get a great degree. Go to a great school. Get a great job. Make a great living. See? You can see that in America, the bottom line is money. This man left money to run for president where he, everything he says, does, think that is exposed is judged critically by low information people. Why would anybody want to do that? But as a billionaire, he can summon presidents to come to him because they're begging him for money to run. And then it, depending on how much he gives you, you have access to him. A man that's president. So he could go in the White House. What the, it's not the first time he's been in the White House. Billionaire. 
So billionaires don't want to be a politician because politicians are broke. They make their money after they run for office, after they find out how to get government contracts to private people. That's why almost all of them, they didn't come in there rich. They leave rich after. They get rich afterwards. Why? Because of government contracts with the private sector. But your life is worth more than money. You came from God. Now here's what the pastor talks about. So here's destiny, and then the last thing is legacy. Is there anybody who wants to be like you? And are you intentional? Now, where you know this is when you, a woman wants to get married, a man wants to marry a woman, and then the obvious, if both of them are normal, you want to have children. Why should God let you have children? Why should he? And you read John 1, all life comes from the almighty God. Why should he let you have children? What would you train those children to become? Well, that's what he's talking about. So before that time, why should a woman marry you, dude, if you don't know why God made you? She's leaving her father's house where the Bible says you should leave your mama's house. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to a wife. But in actual fact, what happens is a wife leaves her father and mother and cleaves to the husband. Why should she leave her parents where she became so awesome you want to marry her and follow you? And you're not all that awesome. I already told you, my wife, I'm ghetto and gutter. I married awesomeness. Why would she marry me? She saw my potential. There was stuff bleeding through there. She saw that. And she knew she could do something with it. She did, man. I'm telling you, I didn't even know how to eat right in a restaurant. I didn't know what, there's too many, too much silverware. I said, I don't need but one of these. <laughs> that's, that's right, buddy. That's right. And so she said, no, no, honey. She was not gentle with me. From the outside in, baby, is how you choose it. I said, some white man invented that so he could sell you more silverware. There's somebody working numbers here. So, ghetto, I told you. She saw that I was going to be surrendered, that her daddy was awesome. He was director of logistics for all of Europe in the military. She learned how to strategize, visionize, evaluate, improve. She saw this. She, I mean, look, I mean, she, she understood how to evaluate where you are, where you're going, and what's the process? How do you get there? And when you got there, what, how are you doing? How do you evaluate? What's the level it's operating on? That's how, she, that's how she worked me. And I used to say, what are you asking all those questions for? I didn't know. She was just trying to help me in my ignorance. So anyway, here, I'm out there with you. So legacy, he's talking about legacy. So you, on a biological level, I wrote in Dad Raul's book. I just gave him one of my books, and I signed it. He has a great legacy that he's now created. Nobody sees the end from the beginning. He may not have seen all of this, but it was in his genetic order. God made him to bring forth these children here that are awesome. These children aren't bragging about where they are. 
They want you to become awesome in the Lord. Because what's way more important? You have to have the biological genetic order in order to get to the spiritual. If you don't come into the world, how can we get you spiritually a doom? One man brought him into the world, the children into the world naturally. Now, this other man here is trying to bring you into the world of the kingdom of God spiritually so that you move from the natural world to the spiritual world, and the spiritual world is what you know the most about. I would guarantee that most of you in this place know more about the natural than you do the eternal. One is temporal, the other is, 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 is eternal. One is temporary, the other is permanent. If you don't fix what you don't know about eternity, you're going to go into eternal world save having eternal life, but somewhat restricted. Because you'll be limping in, lame. Now you're real quiet on me right now. Why? Because too much is put into this world, not for the kingdom, but for you. Now let's look at who God is, and let's see why shouldn't you surrender. Psalms 104. We should be finished before he has to go out of town. No problem. Amen. Psalms 104. Let all that, I, all that I am praise the Lord. World in there. Oh, Lord, my God, how great you are. You, have robe, you are robed with honor and majesty. You are dressed in a robe of light. You stretch out the starry curtain of the heavens. Look at this now. This is what God did. This is what he can do. We've heard it and read it so much, we don't think about the greatness of this. God from nothing created everything. Man usually with something creates something better. Did you just get it? Man takes what God already made and then creates something useful for man. But God with nothing but himself creates everything. The picture that comes into his mind. He never needs anything outside of himself to make it in existence. So the world, the universe, the solar system, time, space, order, all of that, in him, he just does it. Why? Because he can. And it says, you make the clouds, look, you, verse 3, you lay out the rafters of your home in the rain clouds. Look at this. You make the clouds your chariot. You ride upon the wings of the wind. The winds are your messengers. Flames of fire are your servants. I could go into that with the Irma and all of this and what happened down in Mexico, the, the earthquakes down there and what's happening over there in California with the fires. And look what it says about it. It says, but you place the world on its foundation so it would never be moved. You clothe the earth with floods of water, water that covered even the mountains. At your command, the water fled. At the sound of your thunder, it hurried away. Mountains rose and valleys sank to the levels you decreed. Then you set a firm boundary for the seas so that they would never again cover the earth. You make springs, your, springs pour out water in the ravines. So streams gush down from the mountains. They provide water for all the animals and the wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds nest beside the streams and sing among the branches of the trees. You send rain on the mountains from your heavenly home. Look at that. And you fill the earth with the fruit of your labor. 
You cause grass to grow for the livestock and plants for people to use. You allow them to produce food from the earth, wine to make them glad, olive oil to soothe their skin, and bread to give them strength. The trees of the Lord are well cared for, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nests, and the storks make their homes in the cypresses. High in the mountains live the wild goats and the rocks from a refuge for the hyraxes. And you know, and these are kind of beings that most theologians will admit. We don't even know what, they, what it is. It's just like the scientists look at some of the, the, um, the brick formations and they say, this thing's got to be at least 10,000 years old. Here's what it is. You, you understand that you, you, you date things in finite terms, but God is infinite. So in reality, God creates time, but he's not subject to it. And so even though we try to find things and understand God out of our finiteness, but, but you've got to understand he's infinite. You can't understand God unless he makes himself known. You can't approach him and then know what you're looking at. I'm way ahead of you. That's okay. <laughs> then the young lions roar for their prey and stalking them, verse 21, stalking the food provided by God. At dawn, they sink back into their dens to rest. Then people go off to their work uh, where they labor until evening. Oh, Lord, what a variety of things you have made. In wisdom, you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Let me stop there. My Father, thank you. Just for the rest of what I'm going to say in this service and the next, and just give us a clearer understanding of who you are. But then in that understanding, transform us. We give you glory and praise and honor for it now. These are your people. I'm in the right place. These are the right people. They're becoming what you've determined. Let this be the generation that history has wound up if you determined it. If we would yield enough, if we would become enough by the Holy Spirit's impetus. We give you glory in advance. We thank you that you don't have a worthy foe. You're not challenged by anything. You are almighty. You're undefinable except that you make yourself known. Thank you so much that you've made yourself known to us. We come after you by the help and impetus of the heavenlies, by the spirit of God, by angelic presence. We want your understanding. We want your transformation. We want a manifestation of eternity in our mortal lives. Let us function in this world like it's going to be in the next. Glorify yourself. Let us not touch your glory. And we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Let me go on with this just for a moment. If you would just meditate this psalm again and let God show you his expanse. From that perspective of God, Scripture becomes a lot easier to deal with because it no longer is a mental treatise for you to try to intellectually understand all of this. When you understand who God is, the only answer is exactly. So let me just go through some of that with you for a moment. If you read this, you say, you say, based on who God is, mountains flee. God could speak to the waters and say, rain. If he doesn't take it back, it floods the earth. No redress. No one can stop it. No one can slow it down. No one can deal with it because the creator of the ends of the world controls everything. 
And all he has to do is by who he is, by his essence, speak a word. Yes. Boom. It's done. Listen, when you understand who God is, he's nobody to mess with. Like, for example, if I ask you to turn just for a moment with me to Numbers chapter 12. Look, look what happened here in this particular circumstance. I'm, gen, I'm still reading out of the New Living Translation. But, and I want to explain it to you without turning, but, but Pastor Joaquin quoting scripture so hard on you, I, I'm going to have to uh, just let you turn to scripture so you can see this. In the New Living Translation, it says, while they were at, at the complaint, this is a complaint about Miriam and Aaron about Moses. Look what it says. While they were at uh, Herzeroth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. They said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Look, hasn't he spoken through us too? Look at this now. But the Lord heard them. Look at the, the assessment that the Lord says, canonize this. Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person in the earth. Now, be honest about our present president. He doesn't have a revelation of humility. Okay? He doesn't get this. He knows he's on assignment. He knows that the previous governmental leaders have messed up. He knows that it's been about themselves. He knows that the spirit of America has changed. He knows that there is a cultural disruption. He knows that the business community or taker community. He knows that education has gone away from God. He realizes a number of these things. So you look at his cabinet level people and you look at numbers of them. Nine of them, for example, are Christian. His cabinet level people, well, people around him close to him are Christian. I could go into the details, but I won't. I don't have time for this. But no other president has had this kind of thing. Declaring this soon in his first year a national day of prayer and bring Christian leaders right around him. You see this. And, and, and then you can, you can discount it all you want, but the Bible says my house should be called a house of prayer. I mean, you see, you can call him wicked, but he got prayer going on. And then I was with, as I said to you, with Dr. Carson, and he could be listening to me right now, but I was at his house. You know, the day before, uh, he went up to HUD to take that appointment, and he was, I was saying, Doc, you need to get prayer going on in your assignment as great as the assignment. Otherwise, you presume upon natural ability to take a leadership responsibility, and the Bible says that God puts one up and takes another down. If you believe that God has you there, then you are a house of prayer, and you need people praying for you at the level of the responsibility. I'm way ahead of you again, too. You got to get this. If you're running a business and you don't have serious people, you commission to pray. Your, your best money spent is to find a serious people who would intercede for you and pay them to do nothing but pray for you. Give them their priority. Why? Your money isn't worth more than their access to God. What you pay them isn't, isn't, isn't worth more than the people who are calling out the assignments that you believe God has you doing. Amen, lights. We got this. Don't worry. Amen. So he was more humble than any person on the earth. And when you look looking at America, what you see is broken down is humility. You see arrogance all over the place. You see people, they got the high look. That's looking out of the lower portion of their eyes. 
not the top of their eyes, where they're bent down. It says, like a lamb led to slaughter, he opened not his mouth. He was led to the cross from a position of humility. And before he did it, he washed the disciples he created's feet. I made God, says John. I read it to you. I told it to you. John 1. He made man. What are you doing washing the disciples' feet, Jesus? Because he says, I set this as a premise. If you will help somebody else get someplace while you're helping them, I'm helping you. I'm on my assignment to have you not die until the reason my father brought you into this world is fulfilled. But you got to choose my passageway. You got to choose the way I have ordained it. Will people take advantage of you? Will people misuse your money? I hear the fat boys when they say, you know, well, I need accountability. If I give you $100,000, I need to make sure you spend it right. Well, wait a minute. That's a way of control. Don't give the money unless you know that's what God wants you to do. But when it's in your hands, it's when you obey God. If the money's in your hands and God says give the money, you give the money. And guess what? You get your rewards and establish your trust relationship with God based on your obedience when you had control of it. Once you release that money, whatever they do with it, whether they buy a Rolls Royce with it, buy a new house with it, that's not your responsibility. Because they're going to be judged because God says the gold is mine, the silver is mine. That's God's money. And by the way, the money in your business bank account, that's God's money too. See, well, what you think is the church's money is God's money, but your money in your company is your money. God says the gold is mine. Let me just go further since you asked. Psalms 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of the world that they that dwell. Everything belongs to him. The, 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 the trees, the mountains, all of it belongs to God. And one day, if it's not suitable for him, it's going to be destroyed by fire. The only thing that's going to last by the fire of God's presence is you. You're the only enduring substance that's here. That's why you put value in people, not things. Now, I've told you this before about Things. You're going to have things, but the challenge with it, do the things have you? That's the issue. I see you're in the city. This is one of these fleshly cities, Miami, where people major in the flesh, how they look, what they drive, where they live, you know, what clubs you belong to. That's New York, L.A., you can go down that southern corridor like that. New Orleans majored in it, you see. Houston Dallas, right on down that corridor down there. L.A. down there. Now Mexico, New Mexico. They're major richest men in the world. It's from Mexico. For the political people in the PGA, hear me. To lie to the masses like we're stupid, that you didn't change the Doral, the PGA tournament in Doral, for political reasons is nothing but a clear lie. Because Trump owned Trump Doral. You changed it. You didn't like him. Political. You could have had the tournament here and in Mexico, but no, you, you let politics, and then you lie to the people. Well, that's the culture, because the culture needs you to help these people to make godly decisions. The humility becomes the order of the day, operating from a place of lowliness, because there'll be nobody that'll get to heaven who will say, I didn't want to come here anyway. I kind of like the earth better. Well, let me tell you what, Jess is stupid. Uh, I love my mama. I can't wait 
to see my mama when I get to heaven. You don't know who God is. You clearly don't know who God is. See, I can't wait to see my husband. You are a knucklehead. You don't know who God is. Why? Because since you asked, go to, you go to Revelations 4, and you see that up there around the throne of God, John was caught up into the heavenlies where God is, where Jesus is seated on the right hand of the throne. What's going on? He explains to you what's going on there and what's happening. The, the, he says, on the Lord's day, he saw lightnings and thunder and all, you know, going on in the heavens. And then you saw 24 elders throwing their diadems before God, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Where's your mama and your husband and all of that? And then you see the cherubims and seraphims saying, saying uh, worthy art thou, O Lord. One wings, there, two wings, they're flying. The others, they got it over their feet. The others, they're flapping. Why? Because of who's there. You can't really get in the presence of God and hold it together. When you understand who God is, he is so amazing and so powerful. The word holy means the word other. He's so other. Everything comes apart. That's what I'm reading right now as I read in Numbers. Watch. Let me just go. I got to go. He says, so watch. It says, Moses was very humble, verse 3. So immediately the Lord called to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam and said, go out to the tabernacle, all three of you. So the three of them went out to the tabernacle. Then the Lord descended in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. And Aaron and Miriam, he called, and they stepped forward. And the Lord said to them, now listen to what I say. You say you want the presence of God? Here it is. There you go. You got it. Take a deep breath with me. Go ahead. Okay. Here it is. Here's what churches like us are always talking about. God, we want your presence. Well, here's an example of it. There you are. Here's the presence of God. God summoned Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. These were the leadership. His ordained leadership come up before me right now. I'm descending down in a cloud. You better understand who you're coming before and what position you need to be in when he comes. Because just like mountains flee at his presence, just like waters get disruptive and their seas get disruptive, just like the, the devil, when the devil said, I will exalt myself above God, and God, by a breath of his words, threw him out of that reality and one-third of the angels. Why? You don't understand who I am. Because I'm not anybody you fool around with and try to hold on to your pride with because I'm almighty. You don't know anybody like me. A nuclear bomb? Or you know you're worried about the president of, of North Korea? You think that him getting nuclear bombs is something? No, no, no. What you don't want is God to come down. You're not afraid of nobody that can only kill the body. He says, fear him who can kill both the body and soul in hell. God could destroy the memory of your ever existence. You don't know anybody like that. He's not anybody to be played with. And so here he is. He came down, but he came down not in his pleasure. Now, I would say that the average Christian I know who does praise and worship, and they're asking God to come down, they usually ask before self-examination. So there's a potential 
that where two or three are gathered in my name, I come down in the midst. And a bunch of you could die faster than you could breathe. Why? Because if he really comes down in his holiness, okay, what happens? You read the rest of it. God explained to them, look, when I talk to a prophet, well, let me read it. I just want to read it. If there were a prophet among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. Look, I would speak to them in dreams. That's what he does to prophets. I'm in uh, uh, Numbers 12, verse 7. But not with my servant Moses. Look what, again, he's seeing Moses. He says, of all my house, meaning my family, he is the one I trust. See, look, so you got to understand, like, what I was saying about money and your giving. See, they say, give and it shall be given unto you. So they say, this is what teachers teach. You give money, God will give more money to you. No, buddy. If you do what he says with the money, God wants to give more trust to you. The issue is he can't trust you if you don't do what he says with the money. But let me tell you what also is an intending issue. You don't trust him. So by your obeying God and your giving, you're increasing a trust relationship with him. And that's hugely important. You move from faith to a track record of obeying God and your obedience. You become trustworthy. Worthy of God's trust. He can give you his words and trust you with them. He can give you his resources and trust you with crazy money. You are one revelation away from the trillion. I mean, look, I mean, it wouldn't be a big deal if you said, God, I want to be the first trillionaire. I mean, they say Gates is the richest. Of, well, not anymore than Mexico, the guy in Mexico, right? He, what, how much is he worth now? There you go. <laughs> said Gates is 88 billion, I just read, and so this guy must be over 100, but thank you, go to Google on him. But look, but, but the first trillion, why wouldn't he, see? Why wouldn't he trust you with it? Clearly, just because you're not trustworthy. If you understand how, look, to cultivate trustworthiness with God, it's worth more than all the money he could give you. If you became the first trillionaire, the issue they want to know, how did you get the trillion? That's not it. It's how you develop trust with God. Since the gold and the silver belongs to God, it's the trustworthiness. It's a greater value than your, what's in your bank account. Now, the average Christian I know don't believe that. Or they say, I believe that, but they don't demonstrate it. Because why? Because a lot of times God has you give more than what's in your bank account. Meaning, I'm not talking about you overdraw it. I'm talking about what you're used to giving. God challenged you to give at an amount that makes you nervous. See? This church has a foundation of establishing a trust relationship. He says, why should I tell you something twice about tithes and offerings when you already, I've already told you once? You know what to do. Why should I give you a message to give your money every Sunday when you are a real Christian? You, you, you're a clown. That's what he says. You're not a Christian. You're a clown. Because join the circus. See, so in other words, what he's saying to you is that God can't build on your level because you are really Christian faking it. You are, what do they call this thing about? You're the fake news. And you're supposed to be the good news. Okay. See, see that hesitancy in you about it. It's 
It's an impaired relationship with God. You don't really believe your money is God's money. My wife and I had a lady tell us she was living with a guy. They were on a cruise ship. We just came off a cruise, see? see? And, and she said, we, have, we aren't married yet because I'm still getting alimony, and my husband left me for another woman, and I'm still getting alimony. And she says, so then, okay, I didn't work, I didn't start off with that. I said, okay, that's, okay, I understand. We love each other, and finally, you know, and this other guy she was with, he, his wife left him. They both committed adultery. Her husband committed adultery, his wife committed adultery, and they had a divorce, and they both had children, so now they got the mixed thing going. But she don't want to marry him because if she marries him, the alimony gets cut off. So then the next day I ask her, oh, how much is it? So you say, well, I'm a bishop like that. I'm plus, I'm old. So I ask, I go right into your business. I ask you your business. So you know not to hang around me because I'm going to get into some of your stuff. I'm going to ask you like, so that's personal. Nope, you shouldn't have had it. shouldn't got around me. I ask stuff like that. So she said, it's $300 a week. And then she got convicted. She says, and that's a lot of money to me. No, my wife wants this song to be sung at her funeral. It's called Tomorrow. It was sung by this group called the Winans. And what it really means is they were challenged to give their life to the Lord at that moment. And they said, tomorrow. And so here they go into hell, not choosing today, but waiting until tomorrow. And that's exactly what that woman was doing. She was saying, I said, well, how much longer do you have? See, I had a follow-up question. She says, until August. So I said to the guy then, I said, so you mean, so you got to August and it's done? I said, you really love her? Yeah. He said, I really love her. Yeah, I said, well, look, go get the money. Since the alimony is the issue, as what, $10,000 or so? $12,000, what is it, $12,000, however much it is? Go get the money, dude. Give her the money and marry her right now. Yes. They, well, I'm on the boat, like. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm giving it up. Why he was right there. He says, well, yeah, there's some people who's been talking to us about and all this. I said, okay, that's it. I gave you my word. The Lord was talking to you, see. Dude, get out of sin. You can buy your way out of sin. And sin is more of an issue in your life than the amount of money she's getting for alimony. Go put the money on your charge card or something. Get the cash out of your American Express. Get a woman the money. If she won't, she's not married because of money. Now I gotta shut it down. Now I'm gonna continue this to the next service, but listen. You get this. He says, but not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he's the one I trust. Do you hear that? You gotta choose that as an eternal value. Watch. Reach them, right? This is where they do it. Now watch. They go. Reach them. Count them. That's what these preachers do now. Reach them, count them. Not reach them, care for them, but reach them, count them. Reach them. So they ask the question that most pastors ask other pastors, how many you got coming? So their value is determined by how many people are warm in the seats, not how many people have been transformed into his image. You don't care for them except that you count them and you get that offering coming in. But in this church here, you don't give the offering, the church is still going to go on. If you don't give the offering, 
That's your relationship with God. If you hide, if you like Ananias and Sapphira, if you say, well, it looks like I'm tithing, but I'm really not a tither, and if you got trouble with tithing off the growth of your company, you don't believe that God gave you the company. The first fruits of the company. If the government gets their taxes off the growth, well, God said, the government of the world is on his shoulders. I should have got a whole lot of amens on that. Some of you are like out there in sin right now with that. Because I said, if I give tithes off the gross of my company, that's really going to hurt my bottom line. Not in trustworthiness. You're not trusted at the right level right now. The government can get theirs off the gross and God can't get his. And God says, government don't carry the church. The church carries the government. Read that. Put it down. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. Read it. God's carrying you, your company. Give the gross off of it. Let God expand your money level, man, because why? Why? Because he's got to increase somebody. Somebody got to get control of God's money at another level because there's a whole lot of stuff not getting done because the legitimate Christians are too broke. And they're not told why. You're one idea away. You're one decision away. Start giving off the gross. Don't start no stupid foundation. Because you don't want to give to the church. Because you say, well, look, oh, my company is making like $60 million a year. That means I'd be giving $6 million to the church. And what are they going to do with all that money? It's a trust relationship with God, knucklehead. You're not supposed to be worried about what happens to the money. You're worried about whether you could be entrusted by God more to get more. He, if, if he feeds you the heavenly food, can he reach the carnal stuff you can give? Okay, here it is. Man, maybe my giving, I was getting the awards and that maybe took up some of my preaching time. I should have maybe waited till after service. Got this with maybe a few people here. Okay, clearly. What are you going to do about the greatness of God? So what happened? Because they didn't recognize how to handle a man of God, they didn't have the relationship. You shouldn't have talked about Moses that way because everything you know about God came through Moses. See, look, you knew about God through Moses, but no, Moses knew me. Now, this is basically what you have with much of Christianity. The evangelicals, whether it's Reformed theology or whether you know the Nicene Creed or the Athanasian Creed or the Westminster Confession, you know all these, this is all stuff about God. It's not the same as knowing God. You're reading about people who knew God, but you're not. Jeremiah 31, 31 says, you all shall know me, not just know about me. So nowadays we think that knowing about God is the same thing as knowing God. It's not. The Holy Spirit comes to introduce you and me to God so that we will die for our decision-making. We, we, we can expose what we're thinking. We, we can talk, and our words can be words that can be written down so that the, even the new scriptures are the principles that you and I stand for because the foundation of them is in the nature of the Father, not just in the letter of text. Watch. 1 John 4, 17. As he is, so are we in this world. Watch. Really, God? Now, you got to deal with it. You can't ignore it. 
As he is, so are we in this world. As God is, so are we in this world. I don't hardly know any Christian who's thinking of themselves as that. You mean I can take nothing and create something? You mean I could, I could commission 11 men without text, no, no notes, and say, go, I'm going to be taken up with the Father now. I'm resurrected, but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be with you much longer. I'm going to go with you to the Father. But you are going to go and change nations. Eleven men. There, Matthew, Matthew's, Mark's account there. It was eleven of them. You mean after three and a half years of being with you, that's the difference. He says, you're going to judge the tribes. Why? Because they didn't know about God. The tribal leaders knew about God through Moses, but the, but the disciples knew God. They were within three and a half years. Based on proximity, I can give you my assignment. Many of you are not confident in your assignment because you're not close enough to God. You still are letting somebody else get close to God and you're reading about it. You're still telling stories about somebody else's relationship. But this church is a church where the least of them, that means the little small crumb snatchers, five-year-olders, to the greatest, the, the intelligentsia, the Princeton, Harvard, Yale, they all know me, not just about me, they all know me. That means to be entwined around like a rope. That means like a woman in a union of the marriage bed. You know me like that. Therefore, you're exactly right, Lord, by telling me, go change a nation. Because it's actually not me that's doing it. It's you in me that's doing it. When they go out, now look, what I like about him is the challenge he's had with his eye. He, he's, like, he's right here in front of you. He's, he's consecrating little babies. He's not letting the embarrassment of it. What's going on? The questions about it. Forget you, God's in control of my life. Look, I was like that before I got both hips and both knees replaced. I was bent over like this. But look, well, when I went up the stage, I kind of did one of these numbers and kind of, you know, walked, acted like I wasn't half crippled. But I went around the world half crippled. But now, you know, so now I'm getting ready to go to Germany. So my wife and I got the assignment. He's going to Germany today. I'm going on the 13th, my wife and I. And he's going to get the ministers of fire, a whole conference going for God. I'm going to go train them for at least two years. My wife and I, we're gone. We are gone. So... Somebody bought the ticket, bought both our tickets. Somebody's paying for us to stay in a hotel. I'm looking for a location. I'm looking for a house where we're going to stay. We sold our house. We downsized, and we tried to buy another house. We couldn't buy another house because that's not where we're supposed to live. So, but my wife still wants me to get a house so we'll have some place to come back to, you know, so we, America will still be. We're going over to Germany. They said Germany's being overrun right now. They're on a free fall. They're down. But look, my pastor's there. Look, Joaquim and his team is going there. He's not going there just to do a conference. He's going there to put a seed into the ground to transform all the men of Germany and then Europe and then Africa. We're going to shake the earth. Shake the earth. Not going to do no conference. We're going to put a seed into a nation that's going to be transformed. And I'm going to train up. So I'm looking for a campus. A campus. 
where I can invite leaders from all around the world to come and be trained in that. And my wife is seeing this thing with me. And matter of fact, I thought she wasn't going to go. And I said, no, well, baby, that's, you know, I'm traveling business class and all this, you know, because I'm, I'm not going over there. I'm 69, so I'm not going over there broken down. I'm going over there, you know, sitting down comfortable. But when I get over there, things are going to get uncomfortable, not just for me, but for a whole lot of other people. You see it. You're getting some of it. And so, so here it is. So a businessman heard it in the congregation like you and said, I believe my wife and I prayed about it. I believe your wife is supposed to go over there with you. And so, therefore, we buying her ticket first class. Look, I said I was going business class. They said, he's saying he's buying her ticket first class. So I might have to come up to her section over there. Where is it? And then I called her and told her, and she said, see, I told you I was supposed to. I'm worth it. She didn't want them jeans on me. Oh, get out of here, woman. Stand down, woman. Stand down. Yeah. Somebody said they're going to pay for the hotel. So for the 30 days I'm going to be there, somebody said, I'm going to take care of the hotel at the Hilton for the whole 30 days. So the next thing is that my wife, you know, she is, she's a businesswoman. I said, okay, what about the transportation? Well, hasn't manifested yet, but it's coming. Because why? I'm not going to, I've got to get around. I'm going to get around in that place. But then somebody saw what the building's going to look like. And they said, it's going to have significant blue on it. So somebody I got in Charlotte last week, and somebody said, I know a guy from South Africa is trying to sell property in Germany. And I'll send you the plans. He said, he don't want to sell it to the secular world. He only wants a Christian to have it. And he may even give it to you. And he says, you're going to know because it's going to have significant blue. So I get the plans. And the pictures, guess what, was on one of the buildings. Significant blue. That's how God's been working. Okay, I'm just saying. That's, that's what's happening right now. What's the foundation? I'm called to do what I'm preaching. If I'm all in, Paul said, Peter said, we left all to follow you. When I looked out and I said, oh, wait a minute. Most of the Christians I know haven't left anything. They're challenged with going to church. They we don't want to stay in church too long. You are a little knucklehead Christianette. God can't use you. You can't even handle being a couple hours in church. You know all the football players on Miami's team, college team, but you don't know who the 12 disciples are. Why? Because football is your church. Don't worry about it. God is not going to use you. <laughs> not at this level. You got to be available for it. You got to be, if he goes over there and he pioneers, he may come back and say, okay, we believe we've supposed to establish a what is a man headquarters over there. Who's going to go over and be, go over there now and take that over? And then we're going to do training. We're going to do all this. What you going to do with that? What you going to do with it? You need to prepare your heart to be all in. How am I going to educate my children? Homeschool them then, knucklehead. Homeschool them. It doesn't matter. Plus, Germany have great educational system. Learn, learn German. Yeah, it's, it's like a new ambition, Deutsch. But it's Deutsch or Lerner. So who's, who's, who speaks German? Huh? Next service. Okay, glory to God. Let me say a prayer. Get to the next service with the interpretation. You're a blessed people. There's nobody like you. You have an assignment. You're not supposed to be mad and pouting and upset if you're close to God. Get close to God. He's the solution to everything. You can blame it on whatever. You can blame it on husband, wife, parents, job, all this. Sorry, you're not that close to God. That's your issue. Get close to God. 
and stop being somebody who's entitlement. Entitlement isn't the ghetto people. Entitlement is the church who's living nothing and expecting something. If you live something, then of course you're exactly. God does not command you to do anything he doesn't empower you to do. Whatever he commanded you to do, the resources are there before you came into the world. They're already there. I'm prayer prayer for you. If you will admit right now, God, I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be, but I'm on my way. I'm willing. Thy people should be willing in the day of thy power. If you say, Bishop, I'm willing now. Okay. I know I've had trouble with church and I have trouble with some of this stuff and my time and all this, my money particularly and all this, but I want to get it right now. Get right with God and be used. I don't want to die until I be used. Let me see your hands up real high so I can pray with you. Yeah, that's all of us. Me too. I woke up this morning and I said, I'm not the right level because God created everything. So if I'm supposed to be like him, he hasn't trusted me to do that yet. So, Father, I pray for every person whose hand is raised and those who are looking by way of Internet. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, thank you that every hand that's raised is a hand that has chosen you. God, I ask for the gift of repentance. And may grace be poured out from this point on. In Jesus' name I pray. And all the people say amen. amen. God bless you. See you in the next service if you want it. <laughs>